This is episode 707 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. On today's episode, 15 Prepper Pantry Essentials to Hoard and How to Make the Best Pantry Ever. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that I've been posting on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey guys, I'm really excited about a project that I just completed. You know, believers are always wrestling with the fact, is preparedness biblical? And I put together a small group video-based Bible study to answer that question. Now this is perfect for Sunday school groups, small groups, home groups, or just a group of friends who want to get together and who want to look at scripture, but also learn about preparedness and how to get prepared. Now, the Bible study comes with the leader's guide, complete with two sets of discussion questions for each session, Bible study questions and preparedness questions. I've also included preparedness-based icebreakers and other resources that would be valuable to anyone going through this study. And the great thing is, you don't even have to be an expert in the Bible or preparedness to lead this, You just need to show the videos and read the questions for discussions. So if you are interested in starting a small group for your friends, or even if you would like to make your church or pastor aware of the study, you can find the link in the show notes. All right, just a couple of more things before we actually jump into our articles. I wanted to share with you that my friend Mick Rowland, who you you would recognize from uh, the the Prepper website lives that we do, Mick and and Brian, and uh, I've also had my friend Chip back on that one as well, where uh, we do our Prepper website lives. And, uh, you know, Mick is an author and he, he, he's the author of books, but he's also a website author. And recently he started to do his very own podcast, reading chapters from his latest book, The Siege of New Hampshire. And so he released one and he sent me a link to it and I was listening to it and man, he did such a great job. He's doing this all in-house, right? So he's doing this all on his own and uh, just, you know, learning how to do all the the different aspects of, uh, you know, putting it together, you know, using software. And he, I just I just think he did an excellent job and it's a good story. So if you're interested in listening to his podcast, I'm sure that he's going to be releasing chapters as he goes and uh, as he completes them. But if you're interested in that, I'm going to drop a link in the show notes. Uh, he's over, he's using Podbean. And so uh, he's over there. And so I'm going to drop a link in the show notes so that you can go over there and you can follow his podcast and listen to it and uh, be alerted when new ones are released because it's a really great story. I'm really impressed. And I'm probably going to have Mick on to talk a little bit about his book and then also to talk a little bit about the podcast and how he, he started doing that. You know, it, it just, so available to anybody to do something like that, to do a podcast, to write a blog, to to do any of those kinds of things. If you have a message that you want to share, you can do that. And so uh, I'm really I'm really glad. And I just wanted to uh, to share that with you. I thought it was a great uh, chapter, chapter one, and a great start to the podcast. So uh, look for that one. And then uh, <laughs> I'm dealing with a little bit of congestion. As I move forward with this, it's been a crazy, crazy week. Um, Wednesday, I was at work and I started to feel my foot kind of acting funny. Now, for someone who's on the computer all the time, uh, 
some things that happen is like when you're intense and you're focusing on something, I sometimes my hand, like my right hand where it's on the mouse, like you, you don't even realize you're doing it, but you're gripping it, right? Because you're just so uh, focused on what you're doing, or maybe it's intense and you're trying to concentrate. And uh, so, you know, sometimes I will feel my, my hand cramping because I'm gripping my mouse too tight. I don't know. I mean, that just, that just happens to me. But also, um, it was pretty crazy on Wednesday. And so I thought maybe my foot was like wrapped underneath my chair. I, I don't know what I was thinking. But when I started to leave work, I was in some pain on my left foot. And I've had gout before in the past. It's been a long, long while. I think it was, it's been like four years. And um, I'm like, yeah, it can't be, it can't be gout. I mean, I haven't been eating, you know, a lot of red meat. And, uh, you know, I don't have a problem drinking a beer or two, but it, you know, I haven't done that in a while. So, I mean, it can't be anything like that. So, uh, I'm walking to my truck and, and, you know, going home and it progressively got worse all throughout the night. In fact, it got so bad. Uh, I didn't sleep hardly. I mean, it was just, I could not get comfortable. And it just, by the time I woke up in the morning, I, I could barely even stand. And so uh, I got up to do my morning devotions and I found, some of my old medicine and I started taking it and I'm like, man, I, I would have called in just to be able to rest my foot, but we're so busy at work that I just didn't have time. So, uh, with, with the medicine that I had, it started to get a little bit better and uh, it's gotten better over time. But one of the things that I realized that one of the things that contributed to getting it, I guess recently is that I stopped the tonic that I normally drink. Now, if you've been listening to me for a while, you know that I talk about a tonic that uh, that I would make, and uh, I, I just I just uh, read about this one years and years ago, and I've shared it on the podcast. I've even linked to it on the podcast. I think if you go over to the the website and you search for tonic, you'll easily find the the episodes where I've talked about it and the link where you can just go and, and click on it. But it's a very basic tonic. I mean, it's water, uh, honey, lemon juice, turmeric and uh cayenne pepper right i think that's that's all that's all there is to it there's not really a lot to it and you know you have the uh you know the lemon and and the water i mean that's all all that stuff is good for you the cayenne pepper definitely is good for you but um the turmeric is an anti-inflammatory and so i i really truly believe in the honey right the honey is uh, just good all around um so i think i said honey Anyway, so yeah, so honey, water, lemon juice, turmeric, and cayenne pepper. All right, so I normally make a batch of that for the week. And, uh, you know, every morning, the first thing I do, even before I drink coffee, is, you know, I get that out of the refrigerator, I shake it up really good because everything separates. And, uh, you know, I drink probably about six ounces of it, just kind of pouring it into uh, a coffee cup or something along those lines, and then just drink that. Well, I stopped, I've, I haven't taken that tonic for about two months. And the reason being is I make a whole week's worth. I put it into a big mason jar. And of course, you know, it's a glass mason jar coming out of the refrigerator. It's always kind of uh, slippery. So I got to hold on to it really, really tight. But one morning, not too long ago, I let it slip and I kind of damaged my counter a little bit. So I was really mad at myself. I'm like, man, this is stupid. I'm not going to do this anymore. So I just stopped making the tonic. And I'm pretty sure, I mean, after those, it's been like four years since I've had it. And all those four years, I've been drinking the tonic pretty regularly. If I missed any, it was like, I missed a week. 
but this time around, you know, it's been, it's been about two months. And so I was just kicking myself, you know, for that because gout, gout sucks. You know, uh, I guess it's payback. I used to make fun of my dad, uh, when he would get it and his would show up on his big toe, right. And, and he would hit his big deformed toe. And when I was younger, I'd make fun of him. And I'd even, when he was having an episode, I like, uh, I would go over to him and act like I was going to touch it. And, and he was like, man, you better not touch it. I'm going to knock you out. And uh, so it doesn't, it doesn't present like that to me. Mine is on the side of my foot and it's just really inflamed and painful to walk almost to the point where when it's at its worst, I, I can't even take a step. It's, it's just, it's hard to explain if you've never had it before, but, uh, you know, a little bit of medicine has taken care of it, but uh, I think that turmeric is very, very helpful in, uh, causing flare ups. And so, I'm going to continue taking that tonic and right now I'm not making it in the mason jar. Uh, what I'm doing is just kind of making like a daily dose and uh, that way I don't have to shake up a big mason jar and, and worry about dropping it on the floor or on the counter or anything. I can just stir it up real well and, and, and suck it down. I'm also including the vitamin C that I've been uh, taking, you know, just uh, adding that to it. And uh, I got to tell you that vitamin C, when you're really doubling up, so I take that, uh, the powdered form, and I've shared the link on Prepper website many, many times, not on the podcast uh, website, but on Prepper website, and uh, the one that I buy. And it's gone up a little bit in price, but for vitamin C and to make it you know quickly available to your system, mixing it in a little bit of water, there's been some times where I've come home just kind of starting to feel run down, you know, like especially down here in the South with the allergies and the pollen and all that junk. And normally, you know, at some point I would get to the point where I'd get some kind of sinus infection. And I haven't, I haven't had that in the last, uh, I guess, since kind of COVID has started because I've been taking that vitamin C. And uh, so you, you just take, a, I think it's like an eighth of a teaspoon and so it's, you know, the powdered form, there's a lot, I think it's a thousand milligrams or something like that. And so uh, I take that in the morning, but then when I'm not feeling well, I'll take a double up on that. So I'll take a, a quarter teaspoon and I do that. I've done that. There was a couple of days where I did it in the morning and I did it in the evening as well. And I'll tell you, I was run down. I wasn't feeling good. I felt like I was going to get sick. And then all that stuff went away. I woke up the next morning fine. So I'm, I'm telling you, man, it's just uh, take care of yourself and boost your immune system. I think that's important and, you know, do what you need to do. It's kind of funny, you know, little things like taking some turmeric and, and lemon juice and, and water and honey and, the, you know, I'm not throwing cayenne pepper in there right now because when I, uh, when I make it for the week, it's easy to uh, just open up a capsule. Uh, so I'm not brave enough uh, to, to suck down a capsule uh, anymore. I, I did that a couple of times and, and the times when I just did the capsule, I had so, <laughs> the, I had, the heartburn was so bad. I thought I was going to die. And so, uh, I just can't do it that way. I got to mix it in. So because I'm making just a daily dose of my tonic, I'm not doing the, the, uh, the cayenne pepper right now, but, uh, maybe, maybe I need to work on how to, how to incorporate that back in there somehow. Maybe, put it in a salt shaker and just sprinkle a little bit on there really quickly. I don't know. I'll work on that. But um, I think it's just important to take care of yourself, especially right now, you know, when uh, you just, 
you know, there's so many things going on and, and, um, whether you believe in what's going on, how, you know, it's real, it's not, it's fabricated, the numbers that are, uh, that you're hearing about the hospitals and all that kind of stuff and hospitals are turning people away. And I think it's just smart to be at the, the best, in the best health that you can be right now. And if that means taking a little bit of time to, you know, take some extra vitamins and to eat healthy, I, I definitely think that that's something that everyone needs to be focusing on. So that's a whole nother podcast in itself. All right. So uh, I have talked a lot about all that kind of stuff. Hopefully that's helped someone out. And if you deal with gout or you, um, you know, you, even even with uh, the vitamin C thing, I hope you'll you'll look into that. All right. So uh, let's jump into our articles of the podcast. I wanted to talk about food and food pantries. And I think this is going to be one of the big you know, one of those big things that will give us a, a big bang for our buck in the private email group, somebody was talking about, you know, money that they've put towards and they were talking about freeze dried food, but money that they've talked that they put uh, into freeze dried food throughout the years, how much freeze dried food has gone up and how much more valuable. I mean, if you've been buying it for the last five years, it has a 25 year shelf life. I mean, how valuable that would be. And, and I think too, just having a, a, a great food pantry, a good stockpile, you know, knowing how much food you have there. I think that is smart with the food increases that we have. So I think it's really smart to be thinking about this right now and planning. You know, we're hearing a lot about shortages. We're hearing about all that kind of stuff. But in, in supply chains and blah, 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 and all that. But I think, you know, you need to put a little bit of time and effort into it. When you do that right now, you, it'll pay off, not only just because of peace of mind and because it's the right thing to do to be prepared, but also just because it can save you some money down the road as things get crazy. So starting out, food and survival go hand in hand. As we see more chaos in the world and hear about more and more shortages and supply disruptions, it might be a good idea to take some time to focus on your food pantry. Knowing what and why to stock up on certain things and keeping your pantry organized go a long way in handling this area of preparedness. So our first article comes to us from modernsurvivalonline.com. And uh, this is a great article. It's called 15 Prepper Pantry Essentials to Hoard. And so let's go ahead and jump into this one. One of the foundational elements of prepping is ensuring that you have enough provision on hand for yourself, your family, and anyone else that you care about to last throughout the disruption of society that occurs as a result of disasters or crisis. Food naturally is never far from people's thoughts, and most of us don't have to miss too many meals before we start falling apart mentally and emotionally. Though some preppers are quick to point out that one can go many weeks without starving, they usually omit to point out that you will be physically and mentally deteriorating the entire time, greatly hampering your efforts to survive. And I think that's a really great point, guys. You know, uh, yeah, your body can go a long time without food, but it is going to really wear you down physically and mentally because we're just, you know, food is that that it's a mental thing as well. So uh, I think that's a, a great, um, a great point. So the solution for this unhappy outcome is simple. Simply keep food on hand to ensure an adequate influx of calories to fuel hardworking bodies. Though seasoned preppers will make use of all manners of preservation techniques for all kinds of foods, beginning preppers or those who want to simplify their logistics 
are wise to go with pantry kept staples for long-term storage, all foodstuffs that require no special care. Now, in the article below, we'll be sharing with you 15 of the best picks for your pantry survival stockpile. Now, for your consideration, I have grouped our 15 pantry essentials for preppers into three categories, staples, superstars, and luxuries. In the staples category are basic ingredients or foods that are highly essential to a well-rounded survival menu, to say nothing of a diet, but generally either serve as an ingredient in a more complex dish as a foundation for a rudimentary side item or something similar. Superstars are foods that every prepper should turn to first as a foundational element for their survival stash. I was going to say cash, survival stash. These are items that are, as a rule, easy to prepare and extremely potent nutritionally. Their long-keeping nature also eases concerns about rotation and spoilage, and they can all be had in great abundance very cheaply. Lastly, we have the luxury items, which are not strictly necessary nutritionally or otherwise, but will help you stretch your existing items into more interesting culinary territory. Some of these items also have additional uses beyond the kitchen, and most of them make for excellent trade fodder should that situation arise. Now that you know what goes where and why, let's get to our list. So the first group is going to be the staples. The first staple is flour. If flour is such a foundational ingredient, it is hard to imagine life without it. A critical component of breads and other baked goods. Flour also serves to help give body and higher caloric payload to everything from sauces to fried foods. Now, flour is one of the things that is available in tremendous abundance and quite cheaply right now. But when the wheels come off of society and the commercial mechanisms that produce flour from yearly crops break down, you may yet discover just how difficult it is to create it yourself. Flour will keep for a long time if it is kept in ideal conditions. So make sure that you keep yours in an airtight container that can protect against pests and also keep out of very warm areas and direct sunlight in particular. Also keep in mind that even a little bit of moisture infiltration, even prolonged exposure to high humidity, can quickly mold and rot your flour. Next up on the staples is honey. Most preppers have been in the game any length of time are already aware of the bodacious survival staple that is honey. Delicious, nutritious, and possessing an extraordinary, unbelievable shelf life, it is no exaggeration to say that honey will last effectively forever, barring any con contamination from pests or other nastiness. In fact, archaeologists have unearthed honey from Egyptian ruins that remain completely edible even after thousands of years. This is not to say that honey does not have any special storage requirements, however. Any amount of air that infiltrates the container of your honey will begin to slowly crystallize it, turning it into a solid. Now, you can still eat it this way, but it will make it far more difficult to dispense and use in recipes. Not to worry, as you can convert it back to its semi-liquid state, by immersing the container in hot water. Another fun fact for preppers, honey has antiseptic qualities and is useful for treating small cuts and lacerations as well as burns. Next up on the, uh, the staples is salt. So salt is another staple so ubiquitous that it is difficult to imagine modern life without it. 
Salt seasons food, making it delicious and palatable, but more importantly, it always works as a potent preservative, meaning you might employ salt to preserve or further preserve cuts of meat and other foods. For this reason, you should have quite a large quantity of salt on hand at all times. Beyond its typical culinary applications, salt is also an important electrolyte for the body and critical for regulating cellular processes. You can drink all the water you want, but when your body runs too low on salt, you'll start to feel janky pretty quickly. It is also worth noting that salt also works as a mild abrasive and can allow you to thoroughly clean dirty dishes and other surfaces in conjunction with a damp rag, all without any chemicals. So check out more uses for salt here. So there's a link that you can click on there if you want to go over to the article. Next up on the staples is sugar. Oh, sugar. There is hardly a more contentious ingredient in all the land. This wonderful sweet substance has won and lost fortunes for people over the years. Capable of producing immense satisfaction, tooth decay, and weight gain in equal measure, it is nonetheless an invaluable source of quick energy and calories. To say nothing of its emotional and mental boost it provides for those who eat it. Sugar, along with flour, is a critical ingredient in baked goods and confections in particular. That being said, it is added in lesser quantities to many other dishes. Sugar is one of those things that you might might not miss until it is gone, being present in high qualities in all kinds of packaged and processed foods. Whatever you might feel about its health effects, it is still an invaluable part of any prepping pantry. And then we're going to talk about rice here in the staples. So rice is a wonderful survival commodity, able to serve ably as a side dish, a main dish, and even as a dessert, and is a delicious, versatile, and well-rounded staple for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You might not be a big fan of rice, but it is hard to count it out considering its nutritional value, stability, and calorie payload. With just a little bit of boiling water, you're off to the races. There are many kinds of rice out there, and most folks aren't familiar with any variety in the U.S. beyond what comes in a box out of some aisle in the middle of a supermarket. Consider looking for large sacks of buckets or whole grain rice at Asian and health food supermarkets for best nutrition and shelf life. Also, rice is one of those foods that rarely comes in a container that is best suited for long-term storage, so don't be afraid to transfer it into a better vessel for the task. All right, so now we jump into the superstars, all right? First up on the superstars is one of my personal favorites, peanut butter. I'll tell you, anyone who doesn't like peanut butter is cold, cruel, and un-American. Okay, I might be laying it down on a little thick, but the truth is that peanut butter has an awful lot to commend it as a survival food, both as a primary source of sustenance and a condiment or ingredient. It is long-lasting, completely shelf-stable with no refrigeration, and packed full of protein, vitamins, minerals, and fats. It is not a true, complete meal replacement, but it is getting awfully close. And you can survive for a very long time on a little more than an extra-large jug of peanut butter. Even better, peanut butter is cheap and plentiful. So if you're worried about raw calories and basic nutrition, you could do a lot worse than leading the stuffing of your survival stash with a few large containers of the stuff. Not for nothing, peanut butter is also a primo ingredient for making various trail foods and other easy-to-transport stable and calorie-dense rations. 
No wonder so many survival experts think so highly of this delicious butter. Then up is beans or dry beans. Now, beans are yet another survival provision that have earned their place among the very best foods that one can store for rough times. Beans are extremely filling, packed with nutrition, and simple to prepare, though they do require a lot of water and a fair bit of time to do so. Beans can be eaten as a meal by themselves, added to soups and stews, or as a delicious side dish prepared in any number of ways for any kind of cuisine. Budget-conscious preppers will be happy to hear that beans are among the very best bang for your nutritional buck, calories included. Now, dry beans stored in ideal conditions can last for years and years, though old or stale beans can sort of fossilize and will have to be rigorously boiled to make them palatable again. Despite these few drawbacks, beans should be a prime mover of your survival rations. Then up, one of my favorites, canned goods. I always talk about canned goods. Uh, you don't have to stock strictly staples to be prepared for rough times as a prepper. There is an awful lot to recommend conventional canned goods that you buy at the grocery store for this purpose. Now, major advantages include an excellent selection of fruits, vegetables, and meats that are ready to eat with minimal or no preparation and lengthy shelf lives that will minimize rotation requirements. Disadvantages include size, weight, form factor, and its cost per calorie, but for comparatively short-term situations, canned goods are just fine and also have the advantage of being packed moist or wet to help keep you hydrated. This is a broad category, obviously, and everyone has their favorites. Good options that you might consider are the usual stuff like fruits and vegetables, but definitely don't skip out on the canned meats, meats like chicken, tuna, and spam. Spam is the butt of many jokes, but the joke is on you if you omit this protein-packed favorite. You might consider including a few cans of soup or stew, but it is far less nutritionally dense than you might be thinking. Consider this a comfort food option for morale boosting, and remember you can always make your own soups with a minimum of fuss so long as you have the prerequisite ingredients. Then on this, uh, on the superstars is pasta as well, right? So good pasta is truly one of life's pleasures. There's hardly anything more satisfying or comforting than a big bowl of warm pasta brimming with all the delicious ingredients you want, all slathered in homemade sauce. But for survival purposes, consider pasta as the equivalent of long shelf life bread. Supremely affordable, packed with calories and containing a reasonable amount of, or a reasonable assortment of minerals Pasta kept in ideal conditions can last for years easily. Like many other good goods included on this list, pasta takes a considerable, considerable amount of boiling water to prepare properly, and water might be at a premium depending on your circumstances and current level of preparation. Also, don't forget you'll need plenty of fuel to sustain boiling temperature while the pasta cooks. So if you are concerned about your ability to produce water or bring it to a boil in the aftermath of a major crisis, you might want to choose something else. And then uh, there is uh, the last one here is wheat. Now wheat or actual wheat berries, not wheat flour, is commonly overlooked is a commonly overlooked foodstuff that is more than worthy of inclusion and your survival food plan or in your survival food plan. Wheat berries can of course be dried and ground into flour, but they make for a delicious side dish or breakfast option when boiled and dressed up with some seasonings and spices. Filling, calorie-dense, and surprisingly tasty, this is a good alternative for people who hate rice or are getting sick of oatmeal. 
Naturally, finding wheat berries on the shelf at your local grocery is anything but a sure bet, so be prepared to procure some directly from the source or seek out a specialty retailer to get them in quantities. All right, so lastly, we're going to talk about the luxuries, and the first luxury is oils. So dietary fats are necessary for survival, make no mistake, and more practically, fats provided a boatload of calories in a very small package. They also greatly enhance the flavor of all kinds of foods. In most modern kitchens, fats are usually added to foods in the forms of oils, particularly plant-based oils such as the ever-popular olive, canola, and vegetable varieties. Oil is an essential ingredient in many recipes, a helpful agent to prevent sticking when cooking and a great way to add a big shot of calories with a small amount of resources. Now, oils that are kept out of direct sunlight, stored at room temperature, and kept in a container that minimizes internal air volume will last for a very long time, easily a year or more. However, take care because oils can both evaporate and go rancid, spoiling them. The latter occurrence is far more likely if you allow the oil to become contaminated by contact with your skin, direct contact with food, or by allowing it exposure to direct sunlight. Take the care and time needed to pamper your supply of cooking oil and it will go the distance. Next up on this list is vinegars. Now, Vinegars might not provide much in the way of calories, but they can provide a big boost of flavor in a variety of dishes and also have great utility for preserving fruits and veggies through pickling and also around the home as a disinfectant. Certain vinegars even work well for various medicinal purposes and relieving a variety of ailments. Vinegars are another one of those items in your pantry that seemingly never expire, although they can degrade over a long period of time. If you have a brand new bottle of vinegar that you keep sealed and once again keep out of direct sunlight and at approximately room temperature, it will last for a very long time with no need to rotate, even on a yearly basis. Balsamic vinegar is a sure bet for cooking, but a prepper's powerhouse pick is white vinegar, equally handy for various chores and also suitable for use in cooking and pickling. And then there are spices. It is morbidly funny to think that wars have been fought over spices in ages past. Tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of people laid low and brought to their death over these delectable little plants that we can buy by the tons in any grocery store. Now, considering our survival pantry, spices are not strictly necessary since most of them have no caloric content whatsoever and may only provide tangential nutrition in the form of vitamins and minerals. However, their primary benefit still makes them worthy of inclusion on our list. Spices help give any dish you prepare depth, texture, flavor, and interest. Spicing up a mundane and simple offering might transport it into an entirely new realm of enjoyment and since variety is, well, the spice of life, this can be a great morale booster for people who would otherwise be stuck eating more or less the same few dishes every few days. This boost to morale should not be underestimated, nor should the value of spices as a trade good during a long-term societal collapse situation. And then we have coffee. Now, for a particular segment of the audience, I probably did not even need to mention coffee for inclusion into the survival pantry. For those that cannot get through their day with the rest of humanity without a little bit of bean juice, this was likely the first thing they stockpiled in quantity. All jokes aside, coffee, particularly in whole bean form, has an excellent shelf life and is easy to keep like most of your other pantry goods. And guys, I'm going to I'm going to add there 
um, whole bean, uh, green whole beans, right? So you can buy green coffee beans and roast them yourself at home. It's not hard to do, and they would really truly have uh, a long shelf life if you if you did that. So the typical preparation of coffee does not provide any calories, but what it does provide is precious, life-sustaining caffeine. When you need a little pick-me-up after a hard day on watch or a comforting warm drink after a harrowing experience, considering you'll probably be dealing with lots of both, a reliable source of caffeine will be valuable and like spices and other luxuries is a great asset for bartering. All right, next up is tea. So tea, much like coffee, is not an essential good, but it is a luxury, one with excellent practical benefits. Compared to jitter liquid, tea provides a much lighter payload of caffeine and also has components that promote relaxation and peace of mind. Whatever you think about its mood-altering chemicals, a hot cup of tea is always a great way to relax and relieve some stress. Also, like coffee, tea is easy to keep for a very long time when it is stored appropriately. And despite what tea snobs will say about the culture of cheap, low-grade bag tea, it will keep for quite a long time in the plastic wrap boxes you snag off the grocery store shelves. Again, like coffee, tea also makes for a good trade item if you don't drink it yourself. Now let's finish this out with some uh, talk about storage considerations and just kind of ending this out with some other ideas as well. So one thing every prepper should keep in mind when it comes to padding their pantry is that you don't get a free pass on storage requirements just because the items you are storing are dry goods or don't require refrigeration. Making that mistake means that the foodstuffs you have spent time and money accumulating could spoil or, or otherwise go bad far quicker than you would normally. Depending on the configuration of your house, the quality of your insulation, the prevailing climate, and other factors your pantry could get toasty inside, and that could accelerate the breakdown of certain items, particularly canned goods, flowers, and oils. So as a general rule, cool, dark, and completely protected from direct sunlight is what you should be striving for. And just if I would just add pests in there, those are the, you know, the, the, the things that kill food storage, right? So it's, you know, pest, it's going to be temperature and it's going to be direct sunlight. All those things, you know, you need to really be thinking about that when you're, when you're looking into your, your food storage in your pantry. So room temperature means different things to different people. So to remove any ambiguity or doubt on the matter, install a small thermometer in your pantry so you know exactly what you're dealing with at different times of the day and in different seasons. This will allow you to make informed decisions, particularly when it comes to rotation inter intervals. Another obstacle for long-term storage you must be aware of is pests. Rodents and insects in particular can infest dry goods like flour, rice, grains, and beans, although any food that is in any packaging they can infiltrate or tear open is vulnerable. So rodents in particular can be shockingly intrusive and persistent, and their extraordinary sense of smell means they will home in on your stash with unerring accuracy. Keeping them out of your food is usually a matter of perimeter control and elimination procedures, but don't be afraid to put your items in metal containers if required. So as we end this out, don't minimize the emotional value of a varied menu. One mistake I often see well-meaning preppers making when it comes to storing large amounts of food for long-term survival situation is an over-reliance on just a few items, staples or otherwise, with the notion that this will simplify logistics and they are going to be roughing it for the duration no matter what happens. 
This harsh, almost ascetic method of preparation might be well-intentioned, but I believe is misguided. I believe as much because it completely omits one of the most important factors in the context of the event, the human factor. Like it or not, most people are not automatons or snake-eating hard asses that can do absolutely whatever is necessary for as long as necessary without mentally or emotionally breaking down. One surefire way to annoy, agitate, and eventually enrage a person is to subject them to an unchanging, bland diet. It It doesn't make sense to do that when you have all the time in the world to assemble a workable, sustainable, and varied menu right now with just a little bit of extra effort. Even though you might not always have the time or resources to put together a proper three-course serving for every meal of the day, the ability to give people a menu that more or less mirrors what they would be having in kinder times will do much to ground them emotionally and improve their morale overall. Before you brush this off as softness or butterfly chasing, remind yourself that the business of survival is a mental game first and foremost, and that anything you can do to improve the situation on the front is effort well spent. Now, stockpiling food for a survival situation does not necessarily mean you'll be eating bland, tasteless fare at every meal, and also doesn't mean you have to overinvest in complicated methods of preservation. Your pantry alone is more than capable of holding a varied and nutritious assortment of foods for the purpose so long as you choose those items with care. Review the list above and you'll find several items at the very least that warrant inclusion in your survival plan. Really great article, a lot of great information here and uh, so I I appreciate this one. You know, uh, one of those things that we think about is... uh, and it kind of he kind of alluded to it in this this article is just right now it's really easy to get some of the the foods that we normally get right if you you know you want some bread for those who don't cook bread now I know there's a lot of people that that listen to this that make their own bread and uh, you know they they do that on a regular basis and it's healthier for you and it's better for you I mean it you know it's cheaper and all that kind of stuff but there's a lot of people that are listening that that don't know how to make bread and they go to the grocery store. Their bread is like they go to the grocery store, they go to, you know, uh, a bakery and, and they get their stuff from there. But knowing how to do it and having some, uh, some ideas, even with uh, the staples, like, you know, that he talked about or the items that he talked about here, you can make bread and it's not really hard. You know, part of that again is knowing what you need to, to know and knowing how to do it, taking a little bit of time and effort. You know, one of the article, or actually it was a video that I shared on the Saturday prep this last week, was a, it's a three uh, item, uh, I guess three items, right? Or three products that you would use to make uh, bread. You know, it's just a really quick bread that you could even make on your stove if you needed to. And so uh, if you're, if you're not, you're missing out on the Saturday prep, if you're not, uh, if you're not. Uh, enrolled in my list, you know, so um, that that would just be an easy thing to to see and to watch. It was like a, I think it was like a 15 minute video. And part of that was she was reading some letters. So you like, you can like forward through all that, but she walks you through the whole step-by-step on how to make bread. So if you wanted to make bread for sandwich, I mean, really quickly too, bread for sandwiches, you wanted to make, uh, you know, bread for, uh, you know, for dinner, even if you wanted to make hot dogs and she was mentioning it, I thought it was just really good. And so if you know how to do something like that, I just think it's really smart and it would really pay off 
if there was a situation where, uh, you know, just bread wasn't so easily available for so many people that are used to it. We take it for granted that we can just go to the grocery store. I know that when we were doing, you know, when it was like peak COVID and everybody was being super, super careful and things were locked down, especially here in Texas, that, you know, my son was looking at all different kinds of recipes and he was creating all different kinds of things because of, you know, little videos and things that he was seeing on, on the internet. And uh, he learned to make some dishes, and we're we're glad about that. He doesn't like to clean up, but he can make some he can make some food. He can make some dinner, and and uh, so we were really surprised just you know by following some recipes. He was doing some really good stuff, and that's all it takes, right? I mean, there's so much information out there, and uh, you know, with just a little bit of knowledge and some you know three ingredients, you can make bread, and uh, you know. Once you get that down, you start to start tweaking it and you can really start making it, you know, your own and start doing a really good job there. All right. So with all your pantry and all, all your stuff that you have, you need to make it organized. And one of the, you know, when I think about preparedness and I think about organization, I think about my friend Linda Loosely over at Food Storage Moms. I know that I've done a live with her. I mean, it was many, many years ago now, I think. Uh, and she, you know, provided some really great pictures. And she does a really good job of just providing some really great pictures so that you can see what she's talking about. You're not just trying to imagine it um, if you come over to her website. But uh, she does great jobs of, uh, you know, being organized and, you know, letting you know how you can be organized to best see everything. One of the things that you always hear about preppers is like they buy something and they put it in a closet. And so sometimes you don't you don't remember what you have or you don't know where it's at, you know, then you can get to it very easily. And uh, Linda takes her, you know, kitchen and her pantry up to the next level with all the organization. She does it with all her preparedness, but uh, she does it, you know, uh, to the next level with her with her kitchen. So um, just some ideas here that she's going to talk about as you're thinking about putting together your your pantry or or maybe even, you know, hey, okay, I need to boost up my pantry right now uh, because of all the things that I'm hearing. But I, I, I just don't want to just go buy a bunch of stuff and just throw it in there. I want to know what I have. And so, uh, of course, you want to be able to wrote things, uh, rotate things out first in, first out and all that, you know, all that kind of stuff. So uh, let's talk a little bit about organization with uh, Linda over at Food Storage Moms. This article is entitled How to Make the Best Pantry Ever. So today is all about how to make the best pantry ever. Now, when you look at your pantry, do you instantly feel frustrated because it's unorganized? If everything is all over the place, you probably are wondering what you can do to make your pantry look its best. While it will involve some deep cleaning and serious organizational skills, you can successfully get your pantry to look its best in one day. You'll need to use the right products and take the proper steps to get everything in order. So how to make the best pantry ever. Go through your spices. Start going through your spices in your pantry to see what you need and don't need. You may find some practically empty bottles. If there's hardly anything left in some of the bottles, consider throwing them out because they're taking up an unnecessary amount of space in your pantry. Another issue is to make sure all the spices still have valid best used by dates. Recipes seldom turn out the way you'd like if the ingredients, including spices, aren't relatively fresh and flavorful. That's why we include the spices in the first place. Yeah, I, I even with best used by dates, I still use my spices, <laughs> even if they've uh, if if they've expired, um, of course. But I understand what she's saying here with uh, you're having it fresh, and depending on what spices you're using, that, I mean that's probably one of the big deal there, uh, depending on which one you're you're talking about. 
So if at all possible, try to get containers for the spices. If you have the same containers for everything, you can easily keep them together and keep them organized instead of worrying about some containers taking up way too much space in your pantry. Of course, the best way to keep the spices organized when using the same containers is to add labels to them that are easy to see and read. After all, you wouldn't want to mistake paprika for ground cinnamon or anything else like that. So get a Lazy Susan for spices and other items. Consider getting a Lazy Susan for your spices. The Lazy Susan is a convenient piece of equipment that can hold many spice containers at once. The great thing about it is that you can rotate it at your convenience to grab what you need. So instead of rummaging through a bunch of containers, move the device from one side to the next to see all the spices at once and then grab what you need. Note that it helps with efficiency to place the containers facing out so you can read the product labels. Just put it back the way you found it and the next time it's needed, you can find it easily. There are many different types of Lazy Susans available, so you should be able to find one that works for you. Most importantly, you can find several options that work for other items you're storing in the pantry, such as assorted canned goods, pasta sauce, cooking oils, and etc. So next up in organization is cooking or consider using small plastic baskets or even buckets. Check the Dollar Tree or any other dollar store in your area for small plastic baskets that you can use for organization purposes. These baskets are often available in different colors, including basic white, gray, and black. You can choose a color that will go with the rest of your pantry, matching the colors of your kitchen and any decorations you have hanging on the wall adds a fun and efficient treatment to your pantry and the whole kitchen if done right. I store my excess food storage in these baskets from Walmart on some rolling shelves. Here are some of my salsa jars. And so again, like I said, uh, Linda does a great job of uh, providing some, some great pictures for you to get an idea of what she's talking about. So the baskets are convenient to use because they allow you to keep different items together in one spot, such as bags of muffins, bags of pretzels, and other tasty treats. In addition, your children will know, will know where to go when they want to grab a quick snack in the pantry, making these baskets even more convenient. I have heard you can get five gallon buckets fairly cheap at bakeries. You may want to try two gallon buckets with a two gallon gamma lid for your pantry. My philosophy has always been to buy right the first time. And when she's talking about those two gallon gamma lids or, or buckets with that gamma lids, she does have some here like for sugar and flour. They would hold a lot of sugar and a lot of flour, but it would be easy to get to with those gamma lids, lids where you can just kind of twist them off. So again, there's pictures for that too. So invest in suitable food storage containers that come with labels to attach to them. These labels will come in handy when you're looking in the pantry and trying to find something specific, such as flour, pasta, beans, or other ingredients you typically use to prepare different meals. There are a few advantages of using food storage containers, such as keep your food, it keeps your food fresher for more extended periods. You can expect them to last longer when you're not leaving ingredients in bags or open containers. The proper airtight container will keep all kinds of foods fresh and protected from dirt, dust, rodents, and insects. You'll feel much better about your food when you know you're storing it in spacious containers that keep it protected. They're also easy to organize. It's easy to manage and stack the food storage containers to save some space. It's beneficial to have that extra space because you don't know when you'll need it the most. You can keep your items from looking unorganized by stacking the food storage containers on top of one another. 
You can easily find food storage containers with labels in stores and online. Many people buy these containers at Am on Amazon. If you'd like to get them as soon as possible so that you can work on fixing the pantry and making it look its best, Amazon is an excellent choice because you might get the containers delivered the same day. So this next section is uh, she's has a great picture of these eight quart Rubbermaid containers, and um, you get a great idea of what how she's using these. Um, I store so many things in these eight quart Rubbermaid containers with eight quart Rubbermaid lids for pasta, cereal, quinoa, rice, and anything else you want to keep fresh and protected from unwanted pests. You have heard this before. I always recommend buying right the first time. Mice and cockroaches cannot penetrate these commercial grade containers. I live in the desert and there are all kinds of critters. Next up is get rid of bulky boxes and bags. So go through the items in your pantry and start getting rid of the bulky boxes and bags. You may have random boxes for things that have expired and are no longer good to eat. Be sure to toss them in the trash. Now, if you have boxes of stuff you're not using, you can always ask someone if they'd like it. If they're unopened boxes of items you don't plan to use, you can donate those items to the less fortunate. It's a great way to clear out your pantry space while making sure to do something nice for others. If you have bags with clips on them to keep them sealed, consider pouring the contents of those bags in the food storage containers that you can label to identify what, you're, what you need quickly. Use these steps to make the best pantry ever. If your pantry is currently unorganized, messy, and downright cluttered, it's time to make a change. You might not look forward to opening the pantry because you know it's hard to find anything you need, particularly if you're in a hurry to prepare a meal or bake some cookies. However, if you can devote one day to making some significant changes, you can make some serious progress and drastically improve the way your pantry looks and works to make your kitchen the most efficient possible. All right, so good information there uh, on uh, organization. I think it's very needed if you're talking about having this big pantry and you're talking about storing food. You want to be able to find things very easily. And if you can't afford these extra containers, it will protect your food, you know, and keep it fresher so much, so much um, longer, right? And so, and, and safe from rodents and all of that kind of stuff. So just as a recap, think about those items you should be stocking up in your pantry. Be purposeful. Staples, superstars, luxuries. And then put some thought into organizing your pantry. Not only will things be easy to find, but you save space and even appreciate your pantry more. Remember, you can probably buy some organization helps like baskets and other containers at the dollar store. Uh, and so just checking those out regularly, you might be able to uh, to find some great deals there. Guys, I think you know your food is going to be one of those things where you can get more bang for your buck as far as um, a return on, on your money. And uh, if everything that we are hearing... You know, I, I know it's it's hard sometimes because you hear about food storage or food uh, shortages or supply chain shortages. And then you go to the grocery store and for the most part, you know, it's still the 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 aisles or the shelves are full. Right. Um, although we're hearing different things. And again, from the, the email group, when we get together on uh, it's every Tuesday, every other Tuesday night, do, you know, people are spread out all over the United States and even uh, you know, we have some who from other countries who are able to pop in every once in a while. It's, you know, it, different parts of the country are seeing different things. 
And so it's keep an eye on what you're what you're seeing out there. But if you can stockpile and you can build up your pantry. And again, I think you need to be purposeful. One of the things that I've always talked about is building a menu. If you work off of a menu, if you build a menu for a week and you know what you need for that one week, you can multiply that times two. Now you have two weeks. If you multiply that by four, now you have a month worth of food. If you make two weeks worth of a menu and you write down everything you need for those two weeks, I'm not talking about what you already have in your in your pantry. I'm just talking about what do you need for those two weeks? Just write down everything in the list. And if you keep that, if you click keep a clean copy of that list, you can always go and just, you know, buy everything once again, and then you would have another two weeks. And so you multiply that two times, you, you multiply a two week menu two times, you have four weeks, right? Or you have a month. And just think about how quickly you can add up that way. So I think being purposeful is being smart. And if you're thinking about stockpiling, using using menus, using, okay, hey, this is what I use to cook this meal. This is what I use to cook this meal. If you're, if you're doing it that way, instead of just going out and buying random, I'm going to buy a can here, I'm going to buy a can here, I'm going to buy a box of this. Yeah, you can go to your pantry and you can like, okay, what, what am I going to come up with? But if you already have a menu in mind, you already have an idea of what you, you're going to make, it's easy just to pull those things out. And so that's what I recommend uh, if, you're, if you're struggling a little bit like, okay, where do I start? Make a menu, go buy everything on that menu for one week and you have a week's worth. And you would be better off than a lot of people out there in America who do not who do, not do that, who do not have any kind of food pantry you know, and, and no real uh, food storage inside of their pantry. And so I, I, again, I really do think that it would be smart to build up your pantry uh, as much as you can. And uh, of course, I know, you know, finances and all that kind of stuff, but I think it pays off later on down the road when when you you realize that things are going to get more expensive and uh, there are going to be, you know, supply chain issues and things like that. Um, again, different parts of the country are experiencing different things. All right, guys. Well, with that, I'm going to go ahead and end it. Hey, don't forget that uh, I always link to the articles that I read. And so you can go over to Modern Survival Online. You can go read that article over there or go click on the links over there and just just check out the other articles that they have. And then, of course, Linda's uh, article over at Food Storage Bombs. I'm going to have that one linked as well. I think it's really good just to go check out the pictures too, right? She does um, she does a really great job of providing examples. And then she has a great community over there of comments and people talking and sharing and giving other ideas. And she's all, she always takes that feedback and incorporates it back into her articles. So I think that's uh, really smart. So go check those out. And, uh, you know, you'll be, you'll be on your way to, uh, to a better food pantry and, uh, organization. Well, guys, that's it for episode 707. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Pepper Goodness. Hey, and if your app allows you to do a review or if you can come over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever they're calling it now and give us a review, uh, rate or review, man, that's greatly appreciated. I just uh, I want to say thank you to all those that have already done it and uh, those that are going to do it in the future. I greatly appreciate your, uh, your reviews. And also, don't forget, if you're looking for more preparedness and self-reliant information, you can head on over to PrepperWebsite.com. 
We link to 8 to 12 articles every day of the very best articles out there, self-reliant articles out there. We also have pages dedicated to alternative news, firearms, DIY, Bible prophecy, frugal living, and homesteading. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF on 25 handpicked preparedness articles that you should read. And you also get the Saturday prep every Saturday morning with good stuff that you would want to read while you're drinking your coffee. Hey, with that, don't get gout, right? Choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next time, live with no regrets and stay prepped and aware. Peace.